The following audio is from Overland Park Community Church. More information about OPCC can be found online at overlandpark.cc. Welcome to OPCC. Um, welcome to those of you joining online. If you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 13. We'll pick up where we left off from last week. About 48 years ago, at about 1-1, I think, 2-5, 19th Terrace, there's a little boy having a complete meltdown on a green linoleum floor with gold wallpaper. <laughs> that was me. I was about five years old, I think. It was somewhere around that, that time. Um, it's one of my earliest childhood memories. It was extremely traumatic. Uh, and it, it pops into my head several times a year. I don't know. It just kind of, I don't even have a reason to think about it, but it pops into my head. And the trauma uh, was that at breakfast, my mom had allowed the eggs to touch the syrup and the pancakes. <laughs> what in the world is going on? And she told me to eat it. Not through, I'm not eating that. And so I wanted it separated. Um, now, about, I don't know, five or six years ago, a guy reached out to me through social media. He had seen uh, an episode of Hunting, and he was a director of this organization called uh, Friend of Sinners, and he lived in Kentucky. And he invited me out to come hunt this buck. He had a unicorn buck. His name is Joe. He's a great guy. We've developed a friendship uh, since then. And uh, so I invite you to go hunt another state, and he's got the buck and everything, and yeah, I'll be there. Um, so I went and hung out, did a little bit of discipleship with some of these guys. It was an incredible recovery ministry, and, and Joe told me, he said, man, you got to go down, and you got to have breakfast one day at this place. So I went down to this place, and, and I ordered the breakfast that they're famous for, and it's a couple of pancakes and some uh, fried eggs and a couple of pieces of bacon, and they brought it out to me, and the plate was about that big, and the pancakes were about that big. I mean, there were enough pancakes on there to feed my entire family, and I have a big family, and the eggs were on top of the pancake, <laughs> and the bacon was on top of the eggs. So I had faith. And you will not believe how good eggs taste with syrup and, and pancakes. It's amazing. Like, and now I just like put it all together and I like want my egg, I want to buy the eggs with the, the pancake. Now, that has nothing to do with the sermon other than I understand sometimes things need to be separated and sometimes things need to be brought together. But those of you who have separation anxiety over your food like that need to try it one time. Um, it's actually pretty amazing how it all kind of comes together. And I've learned in my, um, uh, in my maturity uh, 50 years later that there's a lot of stuff if you put together, it tastes a whole lot better. Uh, but today we're going to talk a little bit about separation. Uh, and sometimes separation is, is a really good thing and a really necessary thing. Last week we were looking at Abraham and he had gone through this experience of... Uh, he wasn't listening to the Lord. He had gone down to Egypt. He was going down, 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 not listening to the Lord. And it, it, it put him in a really 
uh, difficult spot where he actually was humiliated um, and had to learn from his humiliation as this pagan king rebuked him for being deceitful. And so he had to kind of go back home and, and the Lord was using that to stretch him in his faith. And, and so he's trying to learn how to travel what I've uh, talked about, the highway of holiness, where Isaiah prophesied that the Messiah would create a highway of holiness. And, and the on-ramp to that highway is Jesus. When we enter into a relationship with Jesus, he is the way, the truth, and the life. And we believe in him, and we trust him, confess that we recognize we're sinners, and we stand in need of his forgiveness and grace. We enter into a relationship with him, and that's the on-ramp to the highway, and so Abraham and many of the patriarchs like that are referred to in Hebrews chapter 11, and it talks about their faith. And in one thing it says about Abraham um, and his faith, it says, by faith, in verse 9, this is Hebrews eleven nine, by faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. And that's how we're living. We're living like strangers in a foreign country, and we're trying to make our home and what has been promised to us as a life. And so we're navigating through this life, um, looking um, for the return of Christ, and we're basically um, trying to live the good life. Now, to understand or to um, really live that life, um, really live what Jesus said that, you know, if you, um, his, like, he, he's come to give us life and give it more abundantly. And so to really experience that life, you have to own and understand and embrace that we have to live like foreigners who are traveling on this highway, and this life is given to us in the midst of everything that is sort of broken and, and, and we're strangers to, because we've entered this highway that the Lord is allowing us to lay claim on this promised life. It's fascinating to me when I study the scriptures, I, I, I tend to believe that, that when we study the Old Testament and all the promises that, that were made to the patriarchs like Abraham and, and that they would have a promised land, I see that as sort of a, a physical rep representation of what would happen spiritually to people whenever the Messiah ultimately would come. And so we see a bit of, as we look back into the Old Testament, they're looking forward to the Messiah coming. They're trying to have faith in the Messiah coming. And so they, we see a lot of lessons played out for them in the physical world that they're experiencing. They receive the promised land. They have to go through battles within the promised land um, to drive out the nations that, or the people that are there and, and lay claim uh, to it. Then we get to the New Testament and, and the church is born and the Holy Spirit is given. And I, I think as I look and study uh, theology as a whole, I, I sort of think that um, it's sort of like they were living it out and manifesting physically what would happen spiritually. Now we're living in a realm spiritually and we're manifesting things spiritually with the promised life of what will happen as it's returned physically as the spiritual and the physical are brought together with the return of Christ. That's why we say when you, 
When Jesus returns, our physical bodies will be raised from the dead and our spirits will be reunited with them. That's when the physical and the spiritual become one. Jesus lays claim to what he's already paid for in the planet. He creates a new heaven and a new earth and um, he reigns as the King of kings and Lord of lords. And so as we're living our journey out, there's a lot of parallels that we could look at what's going on in Abraham's life and we can start making application in our lives about how to um, fully live the experience the way the Lord would want us to experience it and, and, and bring glory to him and really just enjoy ourselves. I mean, I, I like to enjoy life. Do you? Not so much? <laughs> right? I, I like it. I mean, I want to get, I want to live, you know? When they bury me, I, I don't want him to say, man, like, this is what I want people to remember. Man, that dude loved Jesus, and he had a lot of fun. That's, that's what I want to do. Like, I want to love Jesus well. I want my family to know that I love them, and if, if I love Jesus well, they're going to know that. And I just want to have fun until I die. I mean, I would, be, I would be completely satisfied. Wouldn't bother me a bit to go full draw on a 200-inch deer and have a heart attack and fall out of the tree. It wouldn't bother me. Like, that would be like, what a way to go, man. What a way to go. I, I'm not afraid of death. I, I look forward to it because um, I'm, I'm a pilgrim, man. I'm a stranger. I'm a foreigner in this land. Until Jesus claims it for himself, that's the way it's going to be. So I'm going to have struggles, um, much like they had battles with physical people. I'm going to have spiritual battles with the enemy trying to thwart the plans of God in my life. And so I, 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 like, it's going to be a constant struggle I, with my flesh and the uh, spiritual forces of wickedness that reign supreme until Jesus returns and makes it all right. And so some days, man, uh, when I'm not having a good time, I'm just like, man, why don't you just come on back, Lord, today? Like, I feel that way sometimes. I feel that way a lot of times when I watch the news. <laughs> so anyway, uh, careful about how much news you watch. It gets you really depressed. Well, what am I talking about anyway? So Genesis 13, Abraham reverses, and he's no longer moving in a downward um, direction. He comes home, okay? So we're going to unpack Genesis 13. I'm going to fire three takeaways and a big idea at you, and I'm going to send you out of here to go live the promised life, okay? Here we go. So Abram, this is after his failure. After he's rebuked by Pharaoh. So Abram went up from Egypt to the Negev with his wife and everything he had. And Lot went with him. And Abram had become very wealthy in livestock and in silver and gold. And from the Negev, he went from place to place until he came to Bethel, to the place between Bethel and Ai where his tent had been earlier and where he had first built an altar. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. So he, he's become extremely wealthy, um, has lots of livestock, lots of silver, lots of gold, and he's going back to where he should have never left. He's been corrected by the Lord, and, and he, he calls on the name of the Lord in that former place. And he says, now Lot, who was moving about with Abram, he also had flocks and herds and tents, but the land could not support them while they stayed together. For their possessions were so great that they were not able to stay together. And quarreling arose between Abram's herders and Lot's. The Canaanites and the Perizzites 
were also living in the land at that time. So there were other people there that were watching these two guys do life. And so Abram said to Lot, let's not have any quarreling between you and me or between your herders and mine, for we are close relatives. Now, Thanksgiving is two weeks away, so I'm going to read that again. <laughs> let's not have any quarreling between you and me or between your herders and mine, for we are close relatives. It's not the whole land before you. Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. Lot looked around. And he saw the whole plain of the Jordan towards Zoar was well watered like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt. And this was before the Lord had destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. And so Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan, and he set out toward the east. And the two men parted company. And Abram lived in, Can in the land of Canaan, while Lot lived among the cities of the plain and pinched his tents near Sodom. Now the people of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. And the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had parted from him, look around from where you are, to the north and south, to the east and west. All that the land that you see, I will give to you and your offspring forever." I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth, so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. Go walk through the length and the breadth of the land, for I am giving it to you. So Abram went to live near the great trees of Mamre at Hebron, where he pitched, where he pitched his tents, and there he built an altar to the Lord. And so we look at this um, passage of Scripture and we see some fascinating things happening that will help us uh, in our journey. So I'm going to fire them at you um, real quickly. Here's the first one. To go up, everything needs to go with you. That's what verse 1 says. This is that Abram, he went up and everything went with him. Like, he didn't partially go up. He went up and everything went with him. Abe was wealthy. He was wealthy with livestock. He had silver and he had lots of gold. He was a rich man. Um, he was a very wealth man, wealthy man. You see, Abe, when we look at him, we see that Abe was rich, but he desired God more than anything. But I don't know if you noticed, Lot was rich too. That's why the blessing of God on both of them started to cause problems among their herdsmen because they had too much. They both had been uh, uh, blessed by the favor of God, and because there was so much, there was quarreling that started to happen. And I believe as we look at Lot, we see that um, he is one where uh, he was not rich toward God. He, his desires were toward more. We can see that in his choice as the choice was offered to him. He looks and he sees more. And so that's what he wants. Because where they're living in the land uh, that God had told them to be is not the land of more. The land of more is down there where they left, where they can see these plains that are rich in this lush valley. And that's what Lot can see. And so what does Lot desire? He doesn't desire more of God. He desires more of riches. And so when Jesus says that it's easier for the camel to go through an eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter heaven, um, he's not saying that it's impossible for a rich man to enter heaven because he says all things are possible with God. What he is saying, though, is when your heart is bent toward 
uh, riches and it's poured toward God, you are not focused on the things of the kingdom and you will not have the life that he promises you. And it's hard for a rich man to get there because a rich man can provide for himself and a rich man can get caught up in this place where he just wants more. And so what uh, we see the word also teaches is that the love of money is the root of all evil. Money is not evil. Um, and there's nothing wrong with having a lot of it, right? Like I, I pray that, and some of you are much more wealthy than I will ever be, and I hope you even get more wealthy if your heart is rich toward God. But if it's a stumbling block for you, I would pray that you lose it all so that you would turn your heart toward the Lord. And, and so we look at this and we go, man, it is important for us to have the right posture and recognize that, the, that Abraham, he had lots of wealth, but when he went up, everything went up with him, and that's where it was going to stay. And when Lot went up, all he could think about was going down there and getting more of what he had gotten. So he had his focus on the wrong things. And, and so Abe was serious. Um, he had the right spiritual posture. And, and the Lord had stretched him, and everything went up with him, even his spouse. Did you notice that? Even It said even Sarah, his wife, went with him. And that's what I would call a power couple in the kingdom. And this church needs more power couples in the kingdom. We need people where both the husband and wife have gone up. Everything has gone up. The kids have gone up. The house has gone up. The money has gone up. Everything has gone up before the Lord. It goes up with them because God can use that couple to accomplish great things as they travel on the highway of holiness and reach out there and to the, to, to the people, the Canaanites and the Perizzites who are not on the highway of holiness, show them the on-ramp of Jesus. They can make that journey and they too can start traveling on the highway of holiness. And so like you may be here today and, and you're like, man, uh, I came today because my, my husband wants me to come. Or you may be the wife that came today and you're like, hey, I came today because, uh, um, I don't know what I said there, but you get the idea. Flip flop them, right? The husband may be in, the one in and the wife is out and the wife may be in and the husband's out. Both of you need to go up. Like, and you, you think you're not hurting anything. You are significantly hurting the ability for what the kingdom can, can produce in your life. And you are hurting what can happen um, in your marriage and in this church by not getting both feet in. Like, go up, take everything up, and become a power couple for the kingdom. And we see the very thing that Abe did once he got up there is he called on the name of the Lord. And he was comfortable calling on the name of the Lord because he was committed and holding nothing back. Holding back always holds you up, okay? So if you hold back anything... Um, I've, I've taught the guys before, young uh, preacher boys who are getting into the ministry, and they're like... Hey man, like, you know, you, 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 you just, you get in there and it seems like, man, how do you do that? I said, man, I don't hold anything back. I'll fill up on the word and I just let it all out. And that's what you got. You can't get up here and preach the word and be like, well, you guys, I, that's not going to work. You got to believe it. And you got to dump it out on the people and let it be what it is. Don't worry about if you offend anybody because you're not offending anybody. You're teaching the word of God. And as long as you stick to the word of God and you let it out, man, it, it, the, the Lord will work with it. And, and it's because I'm all in that it's easy for me to let it all out. And I learned this a long time ago when I recognized that I was trying to live like Lot and believe like Abraham, but I wanted to behave like Lot. And it doesn't work. 
It does not work. It does not work to say, man, I'm, I'm on the highway of holiness. You're just pulled over on the shoulder with your flashers blinking and everybody else is getting movement in the kingdom. And, and you don't look like you're moving at all. It's because you're living like Lot and trying to believe like Abraham. You gotta live like Abraham and believe like Abraham. And when you start doing that, man, you're gonna start getting movement. How does that work? All in. All in, everything, everything goes up. Everything goes, everything that you have, everything that you possess, you recognize it doesn't belong to me. I gave my life to Jesus and everything I own is now his and he is my Lord and Savior and he as Lord directs me and leads me and I can trust and listen to him. And so the kingdom principles function best when we let it rip with everything we are and everything we have. Like, man, do you, Hey, do you guys, would you guys be okay? <laughs> would you guys be okay and just continue to come, church, come to church here and invite your friends? If I got up and, and for the next, you know, for the rest of Genesis, by the way, which has 49 chapters, okay, so it'd be a while. I just kind of did a monotone, half-hearted homily. <laughs> no, you'd quit coming. You'd be frustrated with me. You'd be like, man, why don't you preach like you used to preach? Well, how do you think I feel when you live half-heartedly? How do you think other people in the kingdom feel? And more importantly, how do you think the Lord feels if you live half-heartedly? And see, when we, like, when I'm doing my part and you're doing your part and we're taking everything up and we're all in and we start seeing the kingdom move, we start getting excited and we start seeing things shift in our life. And so my question for you would be, is there something or someone in your life that isn't going up with you? Separate and let it go. Now, <laughs> that does not apply if you were married, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like you are already married and you are in it to win it. Like we know that. But, but generally there are people around us in our lives or there are things that are holding us back and we know they're holding us back and we need to separate and let it go. That's when the promised life becomes the promise lived. You see, the promised life is there for us to have, but we are not going to live it until we go all in. And we just, we just, man, we just like, I'm, I'm like, if I really believe this, this is, this is the big aha moment for me at 22. See, from 15 to 22, I was kind of like, live, like trying to live like Lot and believe like Abraham, all right? But at 22, I, I sort of had a train wreck and was asking myself, if I believe this, why am I not living it? And the Lord, man, he hit me between the eyes with truth, with how much he loved me. And I just jumped in. I jumped out. And then I was like, this Christianity thing is a lot of fun, man. You can have a lot of fun following Jesus. Or you can be miserable trying to live like Lot and follow Jesus. It won't work. It just doesn't work. It will make you miserable in your joy. It will make you miserable in your strength. It will make you miserable, 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 miserable. You'd be better off, Jesus said, than to, to never know the truth than to know the truth and not live it. Like, it's just it's crazy, okay? So to go up, everything needs to go with you. Here's the second thing. Tag along, slow us down. Tag along, slow us down. In verse five, it says, Lot was just moving about with Abram. 
He's dead weight, man. He's riding his coattails. He is being blessed by the kingdom because he's in relationship with Abram, but he's not interested in being uh, focused on God like Abraham is. He's interested in being focused on himself. And so he, was not, uh, he wasn't focused on the promised land. And, and because he wasn't focused on the promised land, the people he was leading started causing problems for everyone. Verse 7 again says the Canaanites and the Perizzites were watching. Like they were, and we have Canaanites and parasites around us. And some of you are going, yeah, I got some parasites, I know. I said parasites, not sites, right? But, 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 but they're watching. They're watching to see how the kingdom is going to manifest itself in our lives. And so people are watching us. You know what happens when tagalongs are around us? They confuse the promised life. They confuse it for us. They confuse it for the Canaanites and the parasites that are watching us. Abe was sold out at this point. Now, God had told him a long time ago that he was to leave everything and go to this land. But he didn't leave everything. We learned this a couple of weeks ago. He took his father, and he took Lot with him. And then he stopped. And then his father died, and then he got moving again, but he took Lot with him. Now we're seeing Lot being separated from him, which is originally what God had wanted in the first place. And so Abraham is starting to grow. He said, why do you keep saying Abram and Abraham? And for those of you who haven't been here for a couple of weeks, his name gets changed. And so I, I, I need to just say Abe. I, I don't want to confuse anybody that's new here and, and think I'm talking about three different people. Abe, Abraham, and uh, Abram are all the same person. He just hasn't had his name changed yet. And so, so, so he... he he is, he's stretching. He's growing. The Lord is taking him on this journey. His faith is increasing. And, and so he was sold out now. He goes back up to Bethel. Everything goes up with him. His spouse is with him as well. They are living in this place where they can be a power couple for the kingdom of God. And, and because he's being stretched, he now has discernment, and he recognizes that Lot is holding him back. Now he can see it. Even though God had told him earlier that that is what was going to happen, his Egyptian humility lesson has brought him to a place where now he's willing to listen to the Lord. And so in verse 9, he says, let's part company. And Abe invites Lot to share in the promised land, but not together. Now, some of you have some friends that you need to do the same thing with. Like, they are on the fringe and they are not fully in with you, and they are holding you back, and you need to recognize it, and you just need to like invite them um, to part ways. And, and, and the way you do that is he invited Lot to still be a part of the promised land. And so he says, you, you go to the left and the right, but what does Lot do? He looks all the way down elsewhere, and, and, and Abraham knew this, he knew his heart was elsewhere. And so what does Lot do? He moves out of Abe's orbit. Now we'll see that what ultimately happens is that he gets a knock on the head and he loses everything by trying to keep it. Abraham, on the other hand, keeps getting more and more by not holding on to it as tightly as Lot was trying to hold on to it. And so he invites him, but he moves out of Abe's orbits, Abe's orbit, because Tagalongs always want to live on the edge of the promised life. And that's why they hold you back. 
You've got friends in your life that they don't want to be in like you want to be in. And they're just holding you back. And you are losing time. And once you finally recognize, like Abraham did, like I had to personally, you are going to regret all the time that you wasted while hanging out with a tag-along that was riding your coattails and keeping you from moving forward. You see, we look at um, uh, Peter writes in uh, 1 Peter 2, 9, it says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out. He called you out of darkness into, this wonderful, into his wonderful light. And so Abe, like, he recognizes that he's been called out by God and Lot is not listening. He's causing problems. So he's like, man, I'm ready to part company. I'm ready to get some movement on the things of the kingdom. In verse 11, we see when Abe presented a choice for Lot, what did Lot choose? For himself. And that's what the tagalongs in your life will do. And that's why you're hold, they're holding you back because they're only interested in choosing for themselves. And the last thing that they want to see you do is get deeper in the kingdom of God because they don't want to get deep in the kingdom of God. They just want you without the kingdom, but you want the kingdom. And so what you're doing is choosing for yourself to keep the lots in your life and the kingdom is not dumping its blessings in your pail. And so like you're stuck on the highway of holiness, lights flashing. And he said, God, would you help me? And he's like, I've been trying to tell you, get rid of Lot, man. I can't do anything until you get some movement here. You gotta obey if you wanna see me move. I love you. I care for you. I'm gonna protect you. Um, but until you get this lesson, no, AAA is not coming, right? We're just sitting here looking at you. Like, we're going to watch you, and we're monitoring, but you need to recognize that everything you need is in the trunk of the car. Just get it out the manual and start changing the tire. That's what he's trying to say to us. And so we got to recognize this is what Abram is going through. He, he's, he's recognizing that Lot's just in it for himself. And so my question for you today before we move from this takeaway, who is tagging along in your life and needs to be let go to clear up the confusion for you and them? You see, it's not just you you're confusing. You're confusing them too. Because your life is not burning at the rate that the Lord wants it to rate, with the passion and fire that he wants it to burn. And so you're just a, a, a smoldering ember, which is exactly what they may be too, because they're holding back, but they're also holding you back. And until you let them go, they're never going to see your life on fire and recognize there's something wrong with theirs. And so it's really consequential, not just for you, but for those who are holding you back as well. And here's the last takeaway. We get more life after we separate. We get more life after we separate. Notice verse 14. The Lord said to Abe, after Lot left. Not when he was like, Lord, I know Lot needs to go. I know he's causing problems in my life. Lord, what do I do? It's when Lot is gone that the Lord says something. So he, has, he, he, he doesn't get new revelation from the Lord until the thing that he was told by the Lord to do in the first place is done. Then the new word from the Lord comes. You see, Abe had to believe he wasn't alone before he realized he wasn't alone. 
Like he had to believe it before he could, he could actually realize and experience it. Now he's living because the Lord is able to start giving. And what does the Lord do? Well, we see in the New Testament, what does the Lord say to us? He says, if you want to find your life, you have to lose your life. If you keep looking for it, you'll never find it. You have to lose your life to be a part of my kingdom. What we are searching for is wrapped up in what we're willing to lose. Like, what are you willing to lose? If you're willing, and see, once you lose it, you run around life and you can't lose anything. Not even in death, because you're not afraid to die, because now you know the most precious thing that you possess is your relationship with the Lord, and you've gone up with everything, and now he has you, and it doesn't matter. So you can watch your house go up in smoke and still retain your joy, because you know it's just materials, and you belong to the kingdom. And hopefully you got insurance, <laughs> right? Uh, but but it, it doesn't matter because you, you're not living for this world. You've recognized that you're a foreigner. You're a stranger. You, you exist for something so, so much higher than the things that um, competes uh, for our attention in this world. And, and you're starting to live and lay hold of the promised life that Jesus talked about. In the kingdom, we lose in order to find. And so the question is, have you lost it? <laughs> have you lost it? If you haven't lost it, you haven't found it. You may be coming to church. You may be coming with your parents. You're just tagging along and you're living like Lot. You got to lose it and then you'll find it. What does lose it mean? It means lose it, everything. It means being willing for Jesus to call you straight into the ministry and preach. That's what he did for me. And some of you won't lose it because you're afraid that he'll do that very thing. If that's what you're supposed to be doing, you couldn't be happier doing anything else. What are you afraid of? You're afraid of the God of the universe taking care of you? Well, you keep trying to take care of yourself and you'll end up like Lot with nothing, living in a mountain in a cave and your family being totally obliterated. Like you got to recognize, man, the Lord wants to do something in your life. And, and the enemy will make you afraid. The enemy will make you focused on yourself. The enemy will steal from you. He will kill you. He will destroy the life that God wants to give you. And so Abe hears from the Lord, and the Lord says to him, let me show you something. He says, look north. Look south, look east, look west. Do you see it, Abe? It's yours. I'm giving it to you and your offspring forever. Now, this is the promise that he had made to him originally, but he keeps giving him more of the promise. Now he's saying it's, it's to you and to yours and your descendants forever. And he, here they are still fighting um, to retain the land that the Lord promised them thousands of years ago. And so what do we recognize here? Lot saw what he could and went after it. Abe saw what the Lord showed him, and he received it. Lot's living like this, and Abe's living like this. And that's the difference between an Abe and a Lot. One is receiving from the goodness of God because they've already turned loose of everything, and the other one is just trying to get and make their life, and they never find it because they keep looking for it. And the Lord just says, unwrap it all and give it to me, and I'll show you exactly where it's at. And then you're living. You're starting to live the promised life. That's how it's designed to work. 
That's how we live it. That's how we walk by faith and not by sight. And the Lord will show us all he is giving us. And the big idea is separate and take a walk. That's what you need to do is separate and take a walk. Identify the things in your life and go, this this is something I need to separate from. Now, this never stops in our journey. The Lord will always be showing us things that we need to separate from. But generally, when we really get effective at, at, at laying claim to the promised life is when we let everything go up and we separate and we trust like Abraham had to. He had, he had to he had to be willing to believe that he wasn't alone before he would realize that he wasn't alone and the Lord just kept adding to him more than he would be able to count. So much more that every time he took a step and the dust went up he was reminded of the promise, I'll do more in your life than the dust of the ground. More descendants. Then he says in verse 17, here it is, Abe. Go check it out. He says, go walk throughout the land. Some translations say that he told him to go to and fro. The word is hithpel. It represents a symbolic appropriation of the land. By so doing, Abram, Abram would legally take possession of all that was promised to him. And that's what the Lord does. He's like, here's the life, man. Here it is. Now go out there and enjoy it. Go out there and walk to and fro. Here's the boundaries of the promised life, church. And I will build this thing. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And go out to and fro, man. You go, you have all the freedom to go all these places. And and. Enter the promised life as a stranger, as a pilgrim, as you're traveling the highway of holiness. And let the Canaanites and the Perizzites around you see you living the fruitful life and show them the way onto the ramp of highway, uh, the, the, the on ramp to the highway of holiness. And I'll be with you always, even to the end of the age. That's the same thing Jesus said to the church, man. And so spiritually, we were walking this out. And if we would just dive in, the Lord would manifest himself in such a way that when we die, we can say, man, I'm glad I was a part of what the Lord did at OPCC. But it's not going to be because I'm a good preacher. That's not going to get it done. It's not going to be because he's a good worship leader. It's going to be because God's people believe what he said. It's going to be through all of us. And as we all walk in the promised life, man, the Lord starts expanding the local territory and the local church, and we get to see him do something incredible. And so my charge to you today is separate and take a walk. Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for life. We thank you that it's abundant, that you want us to enjoy it. Help us to see the things that we need to separate from. Help us to realize that we are not alone when we're willing to step out and separate. You meet us there. And help us to recognize that after we walk out our obedience, whether it's getting baptized, starting to give, starting to serve, uh, ending a relationship that we know is not healthy for us, when we take that step, Lord, that's after that separation is when we hear from you. And so I pray, Lord, that you would help this body to have the courage to take the step of faith, to walk by faith and not by sight and recognize that you are with them. And I pray for an outpouring of your Holy Spirit in such a way, Lord, that you encourage that person with joy 
from that step of obedience like they've never experienced. That they drink deeply from the wellspring of life and it starts to flow from them. And I pray, Lord, that you do a work that only you can. With every head bowed, every eye closed, we always open up the altars. Why? Because if you notice, every time the Lord did something in Abraham's life, he built an altar. And so we open up the altars because sometimes physically we need to walk by faith and come down and have a memorial stone. Pick up one from the altar and lay something down. Physically, it's a great expression. And so the altars are open right now. If you'd like to come forward and, and pray with someone, um, pray by yourself. And certainly you don't need to come forward, but it might be just the thing to get your faith in the gear that you need it to be in. Thank you for listening to audio from Overland Park Community Church in Overland Park, Kansas. For more information, visit us online at overlandpark.cc.